podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday or Tuesday, if that's when you, or, okay, our first episode of the week, which is the first episode of every week, which comes out on Monday, and you listen to it whenever you listen to it. I, I don't, I'm going to stop saying on a Monday. I just got to, I got to wipe that from the, the, the regular intro. I am your host, Philip Slavin, as I mentioned. Joining with me today, Jamie is off this week. We're giving her the time off. They just made a big move. A lot going on for her, so she's going to take this week off. But my good friend Andy Mitz is joining us as he normally does. Andy? Yeah, I'm ready to get at it. You know, we all need a week off every once in a while. So, but yeah, we still have plenty to talk about. And I'm sure I can I, I, I can help you fill the time, Philip. I promise. Oh, I'm, I'm fully aware that I could just sit back, let you go, and then just hit stop and, and the show would be done. And uh, yeah, I don't know how well that would go, but but we could uh, try it sometime if you really wanted I, to. I said I could. I didn't say I was gonna. Or that you should. Um, <laughs> no. That said, uh, you are gonna have an episode at some point this summer for me. That's I sure am. Yes. Andy's gonna have his own episode. Jamie's gonna have her own episode. We're gonna try some things throughout the summer because it's summertime and it's time to experiment and try new things. Um. So for today's show, not a lot to get to. We're gonna talk about baseball we're going to talk about softball um andy's here i know we, i know we talk a lot of kansas but they we're going to talk about buffalo south or buffalo midwest whichever you want to call it um but i i, I really want to this year and this summer make sure that we have what i like to what we call in the biz in marketing evergreen content what that means is content that doesn't necessarily have a a timestamp on it. Now, everything we're going to do does, but that timestamp is week one of the college football season, right? So you can go back through pretty much most of our episodes of the last month or so and, and still listen to them in July or June or August. Um, there might be a few things that are off about it. We've, we've started our position group rankings. We've done defensive line and offensive line. Yeah, defensive line's a little weird because guys have transferred from Kansas. Um, with offensive line, guys have transferred in and out. So some of it's a little bit wonky, but it's still, I mean, for the most part, if you're nitpicking over moving 8, 9, and 10 around, you're missing the point. Right. I, I was going to say, it's not like we're going, you know, Kansas's moves is going to take them from 10th to 5th. It's going to be 10th to maybe 9th. Or vice versa. Um, right. So go check out our rankings. Our next rankings pod will be out in theory this week. I know I was not supposed to tease things because every time I do, they fall apart, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, we've had really good conversations with Riley Gates about week one, a way too early look at week one for the Big 12. Um, I can't even think of everything. We did We did uh, last, last Thursday. Had a great one. An absolutely great one. Uh, we talked about recruiting for this month. With Nick Harris, the big month for recruiting for the Big 12. Talked about uh, the, the big weekends for the Big 12 teams. We did win totals, early win totals uh, for the Big 12 with our good friend Daniel Alexander, which turned into a bet with Texas Tech over under. Uh, it turned into a big thing on Twitter, so if you haven't had a chance to go check that out, you absolutely should. So we're going to kind of keep that evergreen content idea present in 
pretty much every episode we do moving through the summer. I want to make sure there's something that it doesn't matter when you listen, you can you can come back and check it out, right? Because it'll still it'll still be ma- it'll still matter. So for today's what we're going to call evergreen content, I, I, w- I was thinking about the Big Twelve and I was thinking about Texas Tech, and, and you know we've talked about this whole. Texas Tech under, Texas Tech over. Can Texas Tech get to six wins? Some people think they are really high on Texas Tech this year because of the moves they made. This is obviously a hot seed, make or break season for Matt Wells. Um, and and, it, and it, to so much of it was, you know, I think week one is so huge for Texas Tech this year against Houston in that neutral site game at NRG Stadium in Houston that if they lose that game, and there's a real chance they can win it, but I think if they lose that game, I'm feeling... I'm feeling great about the under. And I already feel pretty good about about the under, but I would feel great on the under on the win total if if they lose to Houston to open the season. So I think that game is a very big game. And it got me thinking about the Big 12 as a whole. And we're hearing a lot of conversations about the Big 12, and, and the Big 12 always has a reputation problem. And the best way to fix a reputation per season, right, have a successful bowl season, and then do well in non-conference. When the opportunity to pick off the teams in the other conferences present themselves, non-conference, succeeding in those is beneficial. It can help you have a better reputation, right? So if your best teams knock off their best teams, or you just knock off their teams that have success. That makes you look better. And it's not just the teams at the top. You know, ideally the Big 12 goes 30-0 and in non-conference. It's not going to happen. But ideally, that, that looks great. A Big 12, perfect non-conference record. So... What are the most important non-conference games for the Big 12? And I don't mean team by team by team by team by team, because I don't think some of them matter, obviously. Um, and I don't think there's some for some teams, as silly as it's going to sound, that matter as as much as other ones, because I just don't see them losing. Like, for instance, there's not going to be a single OU game I'm going to have on my list that we're going to go over and debate and discuss. Because OU's playing Tulane, Nebraska, and insert FCS team. I think it's it's not Missouri State. They played Missouri State last year. It's um, Western Carolina, I think. I just like, had it up. I I, I don't. Remember I think it's West Carolina. I, yeah, or Western Carolina. It's one of the. It's a Carolina school out in the west of the state. The it's point a directional is, U. Directional Carolina, right? So at Tulane, which is a fun game. It's awesome. They should win it. West FCS school and a home game against Nebraska, which. We can, you know, talk about all the hullabaloo and hubbub about it. It's the 50th anniversary. Great. Awesome. Nebraska sucks. Like, if OU can't beat Nebraska, we, we got some real problems. Yeah. And the Big 12, and actually, uh, for everybody not named Oklahoma, the Big 12 is wide open. So, uh, or Nebraska has just found some sort of, like, Space Jam secret sauce, and, and they're about to go on a tear. The point is, I don't think those games matter as much because they don't have an impact on the Big 12's reputation outside of Oklahoma's supposed to win. Just win them. If you, they're close, whatever, just win, right? But there's games where I say, when I say most important, what I what I'm looking at, and Andy, you're, I'm going to let you kind of explain what you what you think this means. When I think about this, I mean, what are the games that are most vital for the Big 12 to win if you want to establish the Big 12 with a good reputation heading into conference play? Because once... You you kind of learn if a win is good or not in conference play based off of what happens early, right? Early things matter. We Indiana was good last year, but we 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 thought Indiana was so good because they had that win over Penn State. Well, Penn State sucked. Penn State was bad, but it didn't change our perspective of Indiana. So even though in, Penn State wasn't very good, and so that win didn't really mean as much as it used to because Indiana barely won it. 
we still developed our our opinion of Indiana because of what happened in that season opening game, right? So I think that's where this like non-conference stuff matters. And maybe it's really just a week one thing, but I think week one, week two, even week three presents opportunities where if you can put something, if you can put together a win that, that matters, whether it's just to you, but to the conference as a whole, that can help you out. So that's my view of, of what are the games that the Big 12 really needs to win to help establish a reputation as a conference once they get into conference play that the, the whole the team as a whole or the conference as a whole is strong and ev- winning in this conference is going to matter, right? Yeah, so there, there's also a kind of two other ways to think about it in terms of like, yes, you want to think about which games are most important for the reputation of the conference, but there's also two different directions you can approach it from. It's which games are the ones that the Big 12 absolutely has to win that they could realistically lose that would tank the reputation of the conference or which games are the ones that they need to win to give them such a big boost that people think positively. So so two examples, Louisiana at Texas. Louisiana is supposed to be very good next year. Texas is also supposed to be very good. If Texas loses that game, it looks really bad for the Big 12 because no matter how good Louisiana is supposed to look next year, Texas losing that game is going to everybody's going to rag on Texas. Everybody's going to immediately jump off whatever Texas bandwagon they're on at that point. And it's going to look bad for the big 12 as a whole, because whether you like it or not, if Texas is good, people think the big 12 is good. If Texas is not good, everybody says the big 12 is trash because it's just Oklahoma. Um, So, so, so that's an example of a game that I think is super important for the big 12, because if they lose it, it's going to be bad on the flip side, a game where, you know, and, and it's it's kind of funny because we talk about this game every single year as one that they need to win, um, you know, so, but I think it's also kind of entered that point where nobody actually expects them to win it until they actually win it, so that this is the Iowa-Iowa State game. You know, Iowa State needs to win that one because if they win that one, it's going to look phenomenal for the Big 12. It's going to say, hey, the Big 12 is finally doing something that they don't never seem to be able to do, which is have Iowa State beat Iowa. If that happens, it's going to be great for the Big 12. I don't know if that's the most important one. Um, but that's a good example of one that the Big 12 needs to win because it will boost the reputation of the conference rather than necessarily hurt it if they lose. So I agree on Iowa, Iowa State because if Iowa State is the second best team in the conference, that's the that's the preseason expectation. Iowa State is the most likely team to make the Big 12 title game office, office, opposite Oklahoma. This is a great team. They return so much. High expectations. It's the one thing they have not been able to do during the Matt Campbell era, and that's beat Iowa. And we can we can talk about if Iowa is good or not. It doesn't matter. It's a Big Ten foe who will likely be ranked in the preseason. I, I, I forget to go. Let me uh, hold on one, one second. Right, so I'm just going to pull up one, and we can debate whether ESPN's post-spring top 25 power rankings matter or not. doesn't matter. point is, they have Iowa number 14 in their way too early rankings. So we can guess and establish probably right now that when the season kicks off, Iowa will be ranked. So this will be a ranked-on-ranked, and Iowa State will be the higher-ranked team in this game. It is one of the biggest games and most important games for the Big 12. Because it's a Big Ten opponent, it will be a ranked team, 
And while Iowa may not have real college football playoff, win the Big Ten aspirations, well, they have they aspire to it, but but realistic shot at it. Let's just be blunt. Um, this is a game where if you're this good, Iowa State, and this is this is your best team. This is the best team. You didn't get to face them last year with that team. You get to face them this year with this team. With everything back, young guys taking a step forward. You should be able to beat this Iowa squad one time. If ever you're going to do it, this is the time to do it. And so I do think that's one of the most important games because if Iowa State loses that game, yes, I understand the praise for Iowa State last year after they lost to Louisiana in the opener. But if you lose to Iowa, who cares? Like, it's the same problem I've always had. Like, okay, great. But you, it still looked at like, well, it's Iowa State. Like, we like them. They're a great story. It's fun. And I love Iowa State, but they have to beat Iowa. If you want to have some real big boy respect, you got to beat Iowa. Okay. Because yep. you haven't been able to do it. So I, I think that if I was going to, if I was going to rank these, that would be number one. I think it's the number one because of, of what all it means. It means that your second best team in your conference that we believe is the second best team has been able to face off against the one team they can't beat, who's a preseason ranked Big Ten team, and beat them. I don't care if it's by a field goal and triple overtime. You just got to beat them, guys. It's, it's got to happen. That is a, that has got to finally happen for Iowa State. And I know Iowa State fans are tired of hearing about it. I know they're tired of hearing it. They just, they just they entirely agree. They utterly, entirely agree it's time. And I don't know what Matt Campbell's problem is in September. I don't. I, I don't. But if the aspirations for this season are what they are, winning the Big Ten or winning the Big 12 and go to the playoff, You've got to beat Iowa because if you lose to Iowa, if you're Ohio State, you can lose to Virginia Tech in non-conference to get in the playoff. If you're Iowa State, if you lose to Iowa and then win the Big 12 and you're not going to do it undefeated, you're going to have a loss. Now you're a two-loss conference champ. You're done. you got to beat Iowa. Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument for Louisiana Texas. I think that's probably number two, again, just because of how important that one is for them. But, I mean, because, again, it's the question of – is, are they going to write off the entire Big 12 conference if Texas is bad and Iowa State beats Iowa? I think there's a possibility that that could still happen. Where, like, the national perception of the Big 12 is still going to be in the tank because, hey, Iowa State is pretty looks pretty good this year, but Texas is bad, and Texas is supposed to be the other really good team besides Oklahoma. And so, I mean, I think it's a little unfair, but uh, unfortunately that's that. kind of the way it is. I would push back on that. I mean, here's the deal. There's a rule that's kind of been established with college football and sports, really, in general. If you've had a good season where people have praised you and you finished well, people like you, like Iowa State did last year, then you get to come in with expectations and you are awarded the benefit of the doubt based off what you did last year. And so I understand the point of, I don't think people think Texas is the second best team. They may be the second most talented team on paper, and they are. You could argue they're the most talented team on paper from a, a blue chip ratio and 24-7 roster ranking matrix and all this other different stuff. Texas is either the most talented or the second most talented. It's damn, okay. But I don't think anyone's like, Texas is the second best team. They may be the most impo- second most important, but this season, Iowa State has established themselves as a credible college football team who's going to be preseason ranked in the top 10. If Iowa State plays like a preseason top 10 ranked team throughout the season. And the Big 12 will be given the respect because they have Iowa State and Oklahoma. Yeah, even but- if Texas does. Now, I'm not saying that Texas-Louisiana isn't an important game. 
It is because Louisiana might be ranked by the time when that game kicks off. There's a there's a chance Louisiana is ranked in the top 25 when that game kicks off, and it's a it's a ranked on ranked because Texas will probably be ranked. It's going to be really funny if Louisiana is the ranked team and Texas isn't, but that's a whole other thing. We for another day. I, like, but I I think in the mindset of the media, forget the, forget college football fans. Like they all whatever. My team's better than the people give the credit for. From the media standpoint, and that's what matters for dictating narrative. Iowa State has enough respect that, and Texas has been meh for so long that, oh, look, Texas lost to Louisiana. Like, we're going to joke about it and and not going to care. I think Iowa State is strong enough this year from a, from a media perspective that the Big 12 can suffer Texas not being very good and figuring things out late and making a turnaround, but losing to Louisiana. But I also don't think they're going to lose to Louisiana. I kind of, I just, I kind of don't. Like, I think it could be a, a tight game. I actually think the game at Arkansas is going to be tougher because I think Arkansas is incredibly well coached. I know they only won three games last year, but man, they should have won probably six. Yeah. I think, and then Texas has to go on the road there in week two. I that actually was think that's gonna a bigger be, one. Yeah. That, that was going to be my number three. And, and, and because the fact that that's on the road against an SEC team, I think gives them a little bit of more leeway. If they were to lose a close game there, I think people would be willing to write that off if the rest of their season was really, really good with maybe one loss in, in the Big 12 or something like that. You they, they could still see Texas as an elite team if you lost at Arkansas, who I think most people recognize is probably going to be a decent SEC team this year at, at, at worst. Um, you know, I kind of coming back to what you were talking about with Iowa State, though, like the ACC, people consider that to be a fairly strong conference when Miami and Florida State, you know, and then Clemson were like, you know, the three teams that were all good, all the all the big names really the only big names that they have in ACC football, right? When it was when it was Clemson and North Carolina, everybody talked about, you know, how horrible the 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 ACC was. Even though Virginia, or I'm sorry, even though there were other good good teams in the ACC, there weren't any big names that were good in the ACC. Iowa State is not a big name nationally. Texas is a big name nationally. So the the two big names that the Big 12 has, if they're not both good, then the people look down on the conference as a whole. It's just like when Kansas in basketball year after year was facing the deepest and the most difficult, you know, basketball conference, but because it wasn't the same team that was good year in, year out, everybody said, oh, well, the Big 12 is trash. Kansas wins it every year. The Big 12 is trash. It's a similar sort of situation where if your big name schools aren't good, then people devalue the entire conference because you could have other other teams that are like top 10 rated in all the advanced stats and everything, but if they're not a name brand, if they're not a team that people respect and have respected for years, they're immediately going to discount what the conference does, no matter how good that second team is. So I have bought that belief a lot, and I don't necessarily not believe it. The Big 12 is at its best from from how people treat it when OU and Texas are both good. But Texas has been established as a not very good team for so long that if the problem for the Big 12 has been you have not had a second team in the Big 12 for more than one year be good. And if Iowa State can be good because they proved they were last year in the eyes of the media, then 
you will be given that same that more respect to the Big 12 because, oh, this is a good team because they've stayed consistent, not just had a one-off year, right? So I do think there's a, that matters, and I've seen that matter time and time again. And you are given more credit as a conference if you have a team that has proven more than one time in a row that you are a good team. So I think the Big 12 can suffer Texas being whatever, not bottoming out, but being a fourth or fifth place team, if Iowa State says, we're this, this is who we are, this is who you think we are, and then they actually are that, I think the Big 12 will get the respect for it. So the question becomes, I don't have a Kansas game on here because Kansas is so wild. Even if Kansas wins a game, it, no one cares. Like, it's not like, well, congrats, Big 12, you're better because Kansas is better. Like, there's that, that doesn't matter. Where it matters to me is Iowa State has to live up to expectations, and then you have to ha- take the other opportunities where you might be considered a dog to get a win. So I, I think Texas will be favored over Louisiana. Um, I think Texas, I need to go look. I think the Texas-Arkansas line is out, and I believe Texas is favored over Arkansas right now. So I, I have that one there, but I don't have it as high because I think expectation for Texas this year in year one with Steve Sarkeesian isn't like, well, they should be the second best team. Like, I think some people have them too high, but I think most people are like, I mean, if they finished fourth, then that's, I mean, it's year one. We'll yeah. figure it out. To me, it's who are the teams that people are talking about in that, as the dark horse outside of Texas if Iowa State falters that can rise up? The third, fourth place teams. Can those teams be good? Can that middle of the middle ground, can your one through five be solid so that your Oklahoma and Iowa State, if they do go and beat those teams, gets more respect for it, thus building the strength of the conference, right? So we've got Texas. We think the I think the game at Arkansas is more important just because I think that's a more challenging one. I also think they're favored yeah. by less there. Um, I pitch to you Oklahoma State at Boise State because my bet is Boise State will be favored in that game. It's going to be a tricky game. Yes, their head coach is gone. He's off to Auburn and took a lot of the staff. It took some of the staff with him. But the new coaching staff, blue turf, you've got uh, Brock Meyer back at quarterback and everyone really is high on him. They've got quite a bit coming back. I think OSU will be a dog in that game based off of Vegas's line. Now, it may not be a lot. It may only be a point and a half or something. But I think OSU will be a dog. I think when you listen to most people, including myself, people think Boise State will win that game. That feels like one of those, like, this is not going to be the year for OSU, so they probably won't win that game. It's a weird game. It's a tricky game up there in Boise. I think that game is big because if Oklahoma State is going to be the third, fourth, fifth best team for the Big 12, and they're going on the road to Boise State, who you Boise State gets respect. But Boise State gets more respect than when they beat Power 5 teams then you are given that when you lose to them. Does that make sense? Like, it's not a correlation. Like, yep. it's not the same level of like, yeah, but it's okay. Boise State's really good. You lost them. Now, they're always still going to be viewed as, well, you lost to Boise State. Like, you're a Power 5 team. You should beat them. But Boise State is giant. It's, it's a weird issue I always have with, like, G5. Like, we respect you enough to give you props and credit when you knock off a team because we think you're good. But if that team loses to you, eh, no. And right. so I do think, look, I don't think OSU will get credit if they beat Boise State, but I think, again, it goes back to what will be done to the OSU's reputation and the Big 12's reputation because they lost to Boise State is going to do more damage than winning will benefit them. But it's one of those things of sometimes preventing the loss is more important than getting the win. 
if that which is a weird thing to say but you'd rather have less credit than and but more lack of credit if that makes sense yeah yeah no that all makes sense to me and and, and i do agree that you know that that Oklahoma State at Boise State game is going to be an important one as well. Honestly, I probably would put that at four. Um, it's just it, you know it's definitely one of those things where, um, you know, I think in terms of national reputation, it's much more important to avoid the big hits to your reputation than it is to get the gigantic wins. Because if someone wants to find a way to pick at your reputation, they're going to find somewhere to do it. You know, they're they're going to trot out Kansas to say, oh, man, look at how trash the Big 12 is because they've got Kansas in there. Like, those are always going to be easy there. But if you give them extra ammunition in bad losses in something like Oklahoma State at Boise State. And, and again, I agree. I think that Boise State is good. Um, I don't think they necessarily should be as good as Oklahoma State this year. But Oklahoma State is, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough for them. They're going to have some some issues, especially early in the year. Uh, and so. Yes, I agree. Like that is one that could definitely hurt the reputation of the Big 12, especially if Oklahoma State can't pull it out. But I also do think that Boise State is, I think, has kind of reached that status where they are respected enough that it's not necessarily going to be a gigantic upset that's going to completely trash the entire reputation of the conference if Oklahoma State loses it. It might mean that people don't look as favorably on Oklahoma State, but I don't think it's going to necessarily hurt the conference because Boise State has been accepted you know, they're, they're one of the, I guess, acceptable G5 losses that you could potentially take, especially up in Boise. Um, you know, it, just, just to kind of round out the discussion here, I think a, a couple other ones that kind of jumped out at me would have been West Virginia at Maryland. That's an opportunity for a, a West Virginia team that people think is going to be building under Neil Brown um, to take on a team that last year, honestly, was not very good. And it's probably going to be a little bit better, but you know, that's another one of those. You can't afford the hit in the reputation for West Virginia going on the road and losing that game. And then BYU at Baylor, BYU is, is it was a good team last year. I'm not sure what people really expect with them after, you know, their quarterback left in the draft. So that'll be an interesting one. Yes. It's probably, you know, it's only, it's only year two for Baylor under Aranda. So that's probably not necessarily that big of a deal if they were to potentially lose that game. But it's definitely one of those, like you win a lot of those lower level games. That's going to help you, I think, in terms of overall reputation. So, yeah, I mean, the only way that, that something would move the needle for the Big 12 from a team like Kansas or even like Kansas State is if those is if both of those teams go undefeated in the non-conference and win, you know, handily. And that would include Kansas, uh, you know, there's no way they're going to do it, but that would include them beating a Coastal Carolina team on the road that just isn't going to happen. So I like, I don't think that any of those other games from any of those other teams, including Texas tech, you know, uh, like I don't think any of those are going to move the needle in terms of national perception. So I, I disagree on Baylor BYU. I have it on my list, but the problem I have with this, it's not till week seven. And by that point, reputations are established. So I don't think it's going to matter. West Virginia's games at Maryland and Virginia tech. I think they only matter if West Virginia starts winning conference games. I would be more interested in Kansas State versus Stanford. Um, now I know it is Stanford. They're not as good, but they still have a decent reputation. It is going to be a neutral site week one game. And we've seen Kansas State. With, now they've got Skylar Thompson back. We've seen Kansas State. I don't think they beat Oklahoma for the third straight season, but who the hell knows? Be better than expected. 
And so Kansas State is such a wild card in the Big 12 for me that them beating Stanford will help them lose. It kind of like when they Fair. two seasons ago when they had the, when in his first year when they beat Mississippi State, it was a big win, and then they had their marquee season. And the Big 12 I think was given credit for because Kansas State had had that marquee win along with the other wins they had with it. Right? If Kansas State loses to a mediocre at best Stanford team and then knocks off Iowa State and Texas, that's not that's not. That's not good. That's always been my problem with Iowa State of like losing the non-conference games that matter and then winning conference games. I'm like, you're great for you from a Big 12 perspective. This sucks. I think Kansas State-Stanford is high on my list because Kansas State can be such a giant killer so often and such a wild card in the Big 12 that I think that they need to win that one so it doesn't hurt the Big 12 if they go on another one of their weird right. eight-win seasons. The last one I will mention, because I think – highly of them this season and because they're one of those teams i think will be in that top five finish along with osu and texas is tcu versus cal now a lot of people like cal but they're one of those like nerdy football teams you like because they play good defense and their offense is impossible to watch and we all remember the insane uh Sorry, cheese it bowl between these teams which is still like the ugliest most beautifully amazing terrible thing to ever occur um and now we get the rematch at TCU. For TCU this season, I think this is a big opportunity because I think some people I some people don't. I know Parker does. I know I do. I I like TCU. I think they have a big opportunity. I think this game is a big opportunity for them. Now, I, I don't think Cal is going to be ranked. Uh, I don't think that they're a team that's going to be a big nationally like marquee like Arizona State or USC or Oregon out of the Pac-12 this year but it is one of those games where if TCU does have a nice season this would be a nice win to have just to help boost their reputation throughout the year yeah they're definitely going to need that one you know there are actually some people that are picking TCU as a dark horse for like number three team in the Big 12 so they have an opportunity this year they could be really good or they could be not so good I do think that's going to be an early indication, though, of what we can expect from this TCU team. Are they going to be a good team that could potentially win some big games in the Big 12 and stick around for quite a while? Or are they going to struggle mightily with Cal and kind of fade and be one of those teams that, you know, just kind of disappoints at the end of the season? So, yeah, I do agree that especially for their own personal season, like for their own team, it's going to be super important in that particular game. I just wonder how important that's going to be overall for the perception of the conference. Fair enough. Uh, Okay, we've got more to come, including baseball and softball and basketball, uh, coming up after this quick break. Hey, everyone. This is Brady Trantham. I'm Keegan Renault. And we we run run the the Inside Inside OU Podcast. Podcast. Ever wonder what Lincoln Riley is up to? Ever wonder what a leak route is? What inexplicable loss did the Sooners suffer this time? We cover that and more on the Inside OU Podcast. Every week, we drop a new episode on Thursday during the offseason. During the season, we bump it up to two times a week. If that isn't enough for you, feel free to follow our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole for more in-depth Sooner and college football coverage. Beat the rush, follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Boomer! All right, if you missed it this past week on Wednesday... You know, the Big 12 in men's basketball plays two challenges. You get the Big 12 SEC challenge. I forget what they got. Big 12 SEC, they got weird names. I think that one's the challenge, and then the other one's the battle. Big 12 SEC always play on that last Saturday in January every game. It's always a lot of fun for some, you know, just bragging rights. But they also have the Big 12 Big East. I think this one's the battle. 
Actually, I think um, they're both. We get oh, yeah, interesting... no, no, you're right. This this one is the battle. You can search it up as the challenge, yeah. but you're right. They actually do call it the battle on the official website. Yeah, I, I had to pull up the matchups and whatever article I pulled up called it the challenge, and they used the graphic that literally is Right, like I know, I love it. So good job. I'm not going to call you out. <clears throat> so the matchups have been announced, and I'm curious which ones you are most interested in. Um these games will be on ESPN and Fox. They're spread out over like a couple of months. They're not all the same day. It's a little weird. It's been a little bit awkward. Like it's a it's a good thing for the conference because it provides you with quality non-conference games for everybody, right? Right. And if you play home for SEC challenge, you play on the road here and vice versa, and it goes back and forth, back and forth every year that way. Except for Iowa State, who apparently never gets a home game in any of this stuff ever for anyone. Um, <laughs> I'm going to run through the list of matchups real quick, and then I want to know which ones you're most interested in. Uh, we have Iowa State at Creighton, uh, Kansas at St. John's, Kansas State versus Marquette, um, Texas Tech playing Providence, Xavier, Oklahoma State, Butler, Oklahoma, UConn, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Seton Hall, Villanova, Baylor, and TCU, Georgetown. Andy. What are the th- what ones are you most interested in? Let's say what are your top three matchups, and which one do you like the least? I, I mean, I'm I'm partial, obviously, to the St. John's in Kansas, just because I'm a Kansas guy. But but what? in terms what? of no trying to be as objective about this as possible, which ones I think are going to be the best games? Um, and it's kind of weird because just like the Big Twelve would potentially be with like the SEC if the if all the SEC teams got to play. There's a couple of Big East teams that actually get to play more than once, which was kind of throwing me off a little bit here. Um, but, you know, I think that Villanova-Baylor game is going to be absolutely phenomenal. That's That's got to be up at number one, just kind of as a neutral person uh, looking at this. That's going to be the most intriguing game, and I think it's going to be potentially the most interesting game. Um, I'm interested to see what Oklahoma is able to do, and I think them going up against Butler is going to be a very, very intriguing game as well. Um, you know, Porter Mosier his first opportunity in this, in this against a, you know, a, a team that, that he normally would be, you know, seeing those sorts of, of uh, opponents, um, you know, in, in, in Butler. So I'm, I'm definitely very, very interested on that one. Um, in terms of a third one, like, I mean, I think that that St. John's Kansas game is going to be good, but I am definitely curious on this Creighton Iowa state game. I, like, I think just trying to be as neutral as possible about it. I think that that one's probably going to be just a little bit more interesting. Um, Partly because I think Kansas is going to be so much better than St. John's that the game might not necessarily be as entertaining as some of these other ones. That um, you know, I know that Iowa State has a lot to do in terms of rebuilding, but I don't know. It's which one of those. It's one of those really weird ones. I don't know which way Creighton's going to go, and everything that I've seen seems to indicate that Iowa State could be poised to upset a few people here and there um, and do some really weird things this year. I know it's complete, and, and, and I see the look that you're giving me. It's it's one of those weird off-the-wall ones that for some reason, and I don't know what the reason is, but that just jumps out to me as one of those ones that I'm oddly looking forward to, either because it's going to be an absolute train wreck that's going to be interesting, or it's actually going to be one of the surprise games that nobody's expecting. Yeah, I, I would say that Creighton is the one that made me kind of almost poo-poo the entire list because it, like... Kansas and St. John's is like, okay. So I I think, no, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Creighton finished second in the Big East last year. I'd like to, I'd like to remind you. Do you remember what Iowa State finished? Not not at all in the Big East, but no, I, I know what you're saying. Yes, they were last in the Big 12. I know. Okay. 
And so, no, like that's not no, that's not Look, a good matchup. Philip, it's a terrible. Philip, I am matchup. a weird, and it's guy. a waste of it's a waste of Creighton. It's a waste of Creighton, and and that's the problem I have is. I want good matchups in this. If we're not going to get them all on the same day, I get it. But I want good matchups. Um, and so I'm like, Creighton? Like, okay. And also you're like, okay. So you have put a matchup that Garrett... I'm also kind of petty about this because the Big 12 hasn't won this thing yet. Or they won it... They lost it the first time. I think they won it this past... No, I think it was like 500 this past time because the games kept getting canceled due to COVID. So... You've just, to me, guaranteed, sorry, Iowa State, you guys know your team's not very good. Maybe they turn it around quickly, but I just don't see it happening. So you're almost guaranteeing the Big East a win and taking away a potentially fun game with Creighton versus somebody good to put them with Iowa State. That one bugs me. So that's my least okay, favorite. But, by, but by let's also put it this way. like If if what you're concerned about is the Big 12 winning the, the challenge, okay, always right. Partnering up a team in Creighton who could probably push any team in the Big 12 against what you think is going to be the worst team in the Big 12 next year, which I I, I think that that's debatable, but I didn't say they were the uh, worst. Very well, could be. I didn't right? say they were the worst. Like could I, be. I think it's could one be. of those things where it's close enough. It's close enough to Iowa's. Like that's a, a regional matchup that theoretically could be, I think, more of a toss up than you're used to seeing. Um, that's fine. Um, my actual my actual least favorite is not one that's not on is one that's not on here because they didn't put it together and I know why they didn't put it together and I don't give a shit I'm petty and I want to see what I want to see and that you didn't put Texas versus Marquette on this schedule Agreed. is egregious absolutely egregious I understand why you didn't do it I understand you were never going to do it I knew it wouldn't happen. I do not give a shit. You give us Texas Marquette. You have the balls be like, Texas Marquette, suck it up. You guys are going to do this because the TV ratings are going to be great. You're, someone's going to suffer a loss. You could both suffer losses anyways. I don't care. Instead, we get Marquette at Kansas State. Okay. That's fine. Uh, and Texas at Seton Hall. I, I, Whoop-de-doo. I, well, no and, and and really like, the reason it didn't happen is because both Marquette and Texas are supposed to be home teams. I'm oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. Well, road teams. They, don't ha- um, they don't have to be. Well, I, I know, but you know the way that these things work is that you're a road team one week or you're a road team. You, you Sorry, whether you're a home or a road team is designated prior to determining matchups. I, I know how that's supposed to happen, but you can you can wiggle some things. The, I want to go find like – Iowa State fans get so mad. I think they literally play on the road in like both the SEC and Big East Challenge like every year. I, I if I remember doing the math right, the number of home games they've gotten in the SEC Challenge is uh, small. Yeah, very small. Like too small. Like the number two small. Um, so I don't want to hear it. That's bullshit. They could have made this happen. They just chose not to. So, um, obviously, I'm not a fan of Iowa State at Creighton. I'm not a fan of Marquette at Kansas State, although that could be fun. Uh, Texas is Seton Hall. See, that's also kind of the reason I kind of reached for the Iowa State and Creighton, because a lot of these just don't really do much for me. So, uh, I will take this. Um, Kansas. Okay. Baylor, Villanova. Yes. Absolutely. Baylor, Villanova is going to be the best one. Um, West Virginia should be good. And I think UConn is going to be good again because they finished third last year. I think, I think the uh, the UConn at West Virginia game is a sneaky good one. 
I have that one in my top three. I think that's going to be a sneaky good matchup. Um, I I don't know what Texas Tech's going to be this year. And Providence is like the most, it's just five, they were 500 last year. They're 13 and 13. I don't know what Texas Tech's going to be this year. That one, which is the first one of this, it's on December 1st, Texas Tech is going to Providence. That one could be sneaky good. It might not be. We might get to the season and both teams are terrible, but then it's sneaky good because both right. teams are terrible, or maybe Texas Tech's really good, or maybe Providence is terrible. I don't know. That one intrigues me a little bit because I'm partially I'm intrigued by what Texas Tech is going to be. That one could be a sneaky good game between two teams no one cares about. So yeah. everyone's just like, man, There's whatever. enough uncertainty That's in the that one, one where, that it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what you're getting yes. at. It's like, we don't know enough yes. about either of those teams to be certain one way or another. Whereas like Kansas St. John's, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be in New York, like, you know, Kansas in New York. It's going to be an interesting kind of game potentially, but Kansas is going to be so, is should be so much better than St. John's that I don't think that the, the, you know, the actual result there is in doubt. And so that knocks it down a peg. Um, you know, a lot of these other ones, you either know enough about one of the teams and they're going to be good and one of the other teams is probably not going to be good that the game just is kind of like, eh, who cares? But you're, I, I, I do agree with you. The Providence Texas tech game, I have no idea what to expect from either of those teams. And so that one has to be interesting one, because it's the first game. Uh, so it's going to kind of give us, you know, set the tone early for what the challenge is going to look like. And two, I agree with you. I have absolutely no idea if, if either of those teams are going to be any good, it could be a complete laugher and it will still be interesting because then we'll actually know something about one of the two teams. So uh, to recap, your my favorites are Baylor, Villanova, UConn, West Virginia, and Texas Tech, Providence. And my least favorite is one of your favorites. I would say to Creighton, though. But really, my least favorite is not having Texas Marquette on here. Fair. Which doesn't follow the rules, but I don't care. Um, you will notice I did not pick OSU. I'm mildly intrigued by Xavier at OSU because uh, it's Xavier. But I don't, I don't know enough about Xavier as a program at this point, other than they went third and eight overall because they didn't get to play a lot of games. They were six and seven in college. I don't, I don't know if they're any good or not. And I think OSU should be decent enough to beat Xavier. So I, I don't know. Uh, and your favorite were Villanova Baylor, Durr, uh, Iowa State of Creighton, and you Homer, Kansas, and St. John. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. You I know, mean, who, you, you know, know who's no, actually, Homer? I'm sorry. No, the second one I said was, was Oklahoma and Butler. Oh, that's right. Okay, my my apologies. I'm interested. You did say Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm interested by that Oklahoma, Butler, Oklahoma. Butler one. And and honestly, that Iowa State Creighton one was because I didn't, you know, I was trying to be quote unquote neutral, and I think that that one potentially. But like, if if I'm just throwing Kansas back in the mix, even though I think the Kansas is going to kill St. John's in that game, um, that would probably be my number three. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you know who's killing it these days? Did you ruin my last transition? Homeville Apparel. Homeville Apparel who makes the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel on earth is killing it. Because if you haven't seen the start of Big New Saturday Season 2 and what they put out for Notre Dame, and trust me, I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but son of a bitch, this stuff is good. Like, it's really annoying when schools you're like, meh, put out something you're like, I kind of, kind of, do I need, I, I, can I, can I have that? Can I justify buying a shirt with, uh, with Clashmore Mike, which is a dog and an old leather football helmet? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can justify that. I, I want it, but I don't think I should. And look, that's what they've been doing. They put out 
fantastic stuff that you're just like, damn it, I want to buy that and I don't even like that school or care about that school. And there's already four Big 12 schools available with Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Iowa State. And they have that level of just like, son of a bitch, this is good stuff for all four of those schools. And they are just as comfortable as everything else. And there are more schools coming as part of Big News Saturday, including two Big 12 schools that I will not reveal, but I'm so excited to see because I have not seen what their stuff is yet, but I am very excited to see what it is. So what you need to know, what you need to remember is the promo code from us, 1012. T-E-N-1-2 gets you 20% off your first order. So if you haven't bought anything yet, if you've been waiting for your school, there will be lots of promo codes. None of them are ours. So we'd like you to use ours. Also, they will not all be 20% off. Like ours will be. And is. Promo code 1012. T-E-N-1-2. Remember that. Bookmark it. Write it down. Save it somewhere. So that you can save the most on the best, most comfortable vintage college sports apparel when your school comes available or when you finally just give up or like, I don't care, I have to go buy stuff for Memphis or Maryland or Missouri or Navy or I don't know, other schools that Kansas probably doesn't like. Ohio, I was just say Vermont. Vermont. You just need Vermont. to be like me go. and go buy schools or shirts for six schools that you have absolutely no affiliation with but that look absolutely kick-ass. Dude, I, I gotta buy me some Memphis gear, which is, I live nearby. The old Memphis State stuff, it's cool. I love it. Uh, don't forget all orders of $70 or more get free shipping. So, you're not gonna buy one thing and spend less than 70 so just just do it. Use promo code 1012, 20% off, and get be rocking the most comfortable, most awesome, I know that's not a good phrase, I don't care, I'm gonna use it, vintage college sports apparel you will find. I love having Homefield as a sponsor. I love having Homefield as a friend because, frankly, not only do they put out cool stuff, but it's really fun to have cool stuff that lots of people like. And you're like, yeah, well, they 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 like us too. So oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Andy, we're going to do a little Kansas football chat here real quick. Um, can I officially call Kansas Buffalo South? Is that a thing? Is that a thing I'm allowed to do? I mean, I probably would go Buffalo Southwest just because that's the general direction. But regardless, um, no, I mean, yes, they did grab six transfers that played at Buffalo last year. Obviously have half of the Buffalo staff from last year. Um, You know, they are they are transplanting quite a bit of Buffalo over there. Um, But, you know, it's it would be one of those things. If if Leipold and his system was unique to Buffalo, then I would say, yeah, for sure. Go for it. But, you know, he was extremely successful at, at Wisconsin Whitewater prior to that. I mean, it's definitely Leipold's system, the way he does things. Um, I, I, I get your point, the fact that they were to, able to get six players who are probably going to be on the two deep, um, if not, you know, directly oh, starting. Probably? Well, well no, the, no, there are, there are a couple of the players who may potentially not be in the two deep for this particular year because of whatever, you know, the way that it is set up. However, I do agree with you. Like, all except for maybe one of them are expected to have significant playing time this year if not be the starter. Um, but Okay, which, hold on, let's back this up for a second. I'm going to run down the list of the guys who are transferring from Butler. Offensive lineman Mike Nowitzki, that's a big one. Defensive lineman Eddie Wilson, very nice. Uh, linebacker Rich right. Miller. Wide receiver Trevor Solomon Wilson. Offensive lineman Michael Ford Jr. And defensive lineman Ronald McGee. And I'm going to say this. Nowitzki, I think, oh, will probably easily. start and immediately upgrades the Kansas, immediately upgrades the Kansas offensive line, and that's not even close um, I think Eddie Wilson is in the two deep. I think Michael Ford Jr. is in the two deep. Who do you think is not? Just Trevor Solomon Wilson is one that I'm questionable on. 
Um, just because Kansas has a lot of young receivers and I like, I, I could definitely see him potentially playing. Um, but he's also not a, he's not an immediate, oh my gosh, he's so much better than anyone that they have. So he's definitely going to be, you know, playing or having significant time. But like I said, I do expect at least most of them, if not, if not actually getting a bunch of playing time on the field are going to be heavily involved in teaching the Buffalo system. They're going to, you're going to see their fingerprints in the system. And so it's, it's definitely super important kind of getting that, that transplant. I actually had had Jesse Newell from the Kansas city star on my podcast earlier this week. And when we were kind of talking about this, you know, it's a complete overhaul. They're bringing in a bunch of key players. This is kind of the one kind of way that you do the transfers that I think is the way you actually want to do it as opposed to what Kansas has done for the last decade, you know, and getting a whole bunch of junior college guys and trying to bring in a bunch of guys from all over the place um, that had quote unquote experience, but didn't have the right kind of experience that you're actually looking for. This is them bringing in guys with a lot of eligibility left that are very familiar with the program that they want to try to run, you know, with the system that they want to trying to trying to do, you know, just like they took half of the Buffalo staff and merged it with half of the Kansas staff to kind of bring all of that together. They're now transplanting a bunch of players that can also bring that system over and merge them with the players that are already here at Kansas. I don't know how successful it's going to be, obviously, because Kansas has a lot of things going against them. There's a lot of stuff that they're going to have to do. It's not going to be an immediate success, obviously, but I do think that this gives them a good opportunity to stay on the timeline that had started when Les Miles was here, you know, to get back to bowl eligibility and like, potentially 2024 or somewhere in that range. Um, you know, the fact that Kansas for the most part has kept most of their really talented guys on this roster, even after the change, they actually did just lose Karan Prunty over the weekend, which was one of the guy that I was really hoping that they had dodged the bullet that he was going to stick ar- around. Um, but, you know, and they've lost a couple defensive linemen in, in, uh, in gosh, sorry. I just completely blanked on names. I had them literally right before, but Marcus Harris, um, and I, that one sucks. And then Deshaun Deshaun Terry, Terry. that's, that's I, for some reason I kept forgetting Terry. Um, and it's funny cause I've been talking about them like crazy. Uh, but you know, it's, I mean, it's one of those things. Yes. Big guys that you actually lost that you were kind of hoping we're going to stick around and make big impacts. Cause we were expecting them to make big impacts this next year, even when Les Miles was still going to be here. Um, but it could have been a whole lot worse. You could have lost a whole lot more players than you actually did. Um, you know, it seems like everything is moving in the right direction. It's just a matter now of how quickly they can get everybody up to speed and actually start to make it work. Yeah. It, it, it's an interest. I'm, I'm having a hard time not being interested in what's going on in Kansas. A prunty loss sucks. Yeah. That one, that one hurts a lot because yeah, it stinks that so many of the big ones they keep losing seem to be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, like, there is enough guys who, if they, if if you'd have kept Prunty, and you keep Dejon Terry, and you keep Marcus Harris, there's a like I'm that over one win. I'm feeling real good about because that's that's some talent that's going to stick around. Yep. I don't know, but I, I'll still ride with the over. But man, I'd man those the were loss of that, like I, I honestly was feeling pretty good about the over or at least getting the push on the one win right when Prunty was still around because he was an absolute stud in that defensive secondary last year um and he was only going to get better uh, yeah it's it's a little harder now i can i can definitely see the possibility that Kansas goes winless um just because of you know he was the guy i thought that was going to be a big anchor for them in that defensive secondary until everybody else came around and kind of got everything going um so that that definitely hurts um but, you know, they do have some guys that could potentially step in. And obviously, I don't know how 
different the system's going to look. Maybe that could be part of it. I don't I don't really know what what the story was there. I kind of reached out to a couple people to try to get some more information to figure out exactly why he's deciding to leave now at this point, as opposed to you know earlier when first when things first started happening. Um, but it's definitely it's not the end of the world for them. They do have the potential to get some guys to step in. And I will say I am, I'm feeling much better after everything that I've heard and everything that I've read um, and seen in the ability of this new coaching staff to actually develop the players that they have here. So even if they don't have a guy that can step in immediately and perform even close to the level that, that Prunty was, I do have more confidence now that this coaching staff can coach somebody up to get closer to that than if they had the same guys and say Prunty got injured, you know, in the, like the second game of the season, they're in a much better position now to towards the end of the season, be looking overall in a better place than they were with the prior coaching staff in terms of the, the development of the players they have on the roster. Fair enough. Uh, okay. We got to update baseball and softball real quick. Okay. So softball, Oklahoma state is done. Their season's over. They lost uh, in the to James Madison uh, on the winter side and then to Florida state on the loser side, Oklahoma, after their loss to James Madison in the their first game, come back around. They knocked off James Madison on Sunday, and and now we understand there's a schedule update for the uh, the World Women's College World Series because of rain and delays. They decided to push the the two games that are on the schedule now with Oklahoma uh, versus James Madison and Florida State knocking off Alabama. So now it's Florida State versus Alabama again. So we've got two winner take all to the to the championship matchups. Um, and those games are now going to be Monday night, OU versus James Madison at 3 o'clock Central Time, Florida State, Alabama at 6 o'clock Central Time. I'm going to say this. they got to figure out some stuff with the, the Women's yeah. College World Series. I love it. they got to figure out some schedule stuff because the fact that you had Oklahoma State and Florida State having to go at 1130 at night for first pitch, Oklahoma State had to sit around all damn day. And I understand Florida State had to play already and then come in but I, I, I that's that's ridiculous it's not good for a sport you're trying to grow and that is growing and it's becoming more popular and is and showing as such it's not ideal and i understand weather happens and yada 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 the big the the college world series is really spread out like it takes forever for those games to get played because they build time in the women's college world series they try and cram it in as quick as possible uh, I would say you need to reevaluate the schedule so you don't have things like this happen again. I hate it. I hate it. Um, I hated it for OSU. I hated it for Florida State. It wasn't fair for either side. Um, all of this rain delay stuff, I get it, but you gotta you gotta figure it out so you don't have to worry about it. But OSU's done Oklahoma with a winner take all to advance to the um, championship uh, best of three series at three o'clock. I'm picking OU. I think they can do it. I think James Madison's really dang good, but I I think. If I had to pick my two teams, I'm taking Oklahoma and Alabama, and that's who I said after those first-round games. I, I felt OU Alabama were the two best teams at this point, and uh, and I still feel that way, and so we'll see what happens on Monday night. Obviously, once this is out, we will find out. Uh, let's look into the uh, – Yeah, real, real, real baseball. quick, because I, I do agree yeah, with you. Like, it. Oklahoma – like, I, I thought that the, the final was going to be uh, o- Oklahoma and whoever win – whoever won out of Alabama or UCLA. Um you know, and it's one of those things too. But like the the fact that they pushed these games until Monday only came after the huge backlash they got last night with that final game of the night finishing. You know, to be honest, I tried to stay up to watch all of it, and I think I fell asleep at two o'clock in the morning, and it was still going at that point. It was absolutely ridiculous how late that game was. They were looking at potentially having to do the exact same thing tonight with all the rain delays, 
And that's when they finally decided to move it. Um, I, I agree with you. It's absolutely ridiculous just how compressed that schedule is. It, it would be different if it was, you know, they were potentially looking like it was going to be at the same field, the same location as the the men's college world series. And they were butting right up against that, you know, like that I could think could be a, a, a somewhat legitimate argument for why they needed to make sure that they stayed on schedule as much as possible, but that's not the case. They're completely different locations. There doesn't really, for, from what I can understand, like I tried to look into this to see if there was maybe some additional conflict coming up, you know, this next weekend here, there doesn't appear to be anything. So it's literally just the fact that they had a very tight window. I, I honestly think just like with the women's, you know, basketball tournament, they didn't expect there to be nearly as much TV interest. You know, they we weren't really thinking of it as an opportunity to really show the game and showcase the game and work with their broadcasting partners to make sure that everything was on, even if it went outside of the normal broadcasting window that was planned for. Like, it just looks like another instance of the NCAA falling down on the job when it comes to promoting and taking care of the, the female athletes that they have in, you know, in their sports. Agree. Agree. Um, I hope they figure it out. We'll see. Um, it's whenever you grow something, whenever something gets bigger and better, there's always growing pains. I think this is a growing pain. I'm not going to like berate it too much. I think it sucks, but I, I hope that they fix it. And that's it. I hope I think the situation sucks. I hope they adapt for yeah, the main silver lining to come out of it is that there was so much backlash from it that hopefully it gets fixed for mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, uh, NCAA baseball regional action. Oklahoma State is out in Tucson. They they went one and two, losing both games in which they had to face UC Santa Barbara, who just kind of went crazy on them. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Whatever. It's done. Season's over. Uh, more disappointingly, TCU hosting the Fort Worth Regional. They're done. Um, they got their opening win over McNeese and then lost to Dallas Baptist and in pretty crushing fashion. Pretty crushing, crushing fashion. Because they yeah. it kind of like what Kansas State did to them, uh, in which Dallas Baptist scored multiple runs late in the game. I think it was four unanswered uh, to win that one six to uh, sorry uh, eight to six. Yeah, not great. Uh, and then TCU in the losers bracket losing to Oregon State three to two on Sunday. So TCU's done. TCU is out. Uh, Dallas Baptist or Oregon State will advance the Supers out of the Fort Worth Regional. As we are talking right now, Texas and Texas Tech are both in action. Texas uh, placing off against Fairfield, top of the third. Texas up five zero. Um, this is a nice. This is nice for Fairfield to be able to get into this position. Um, I don't see Fairfield beating Texas twice, so I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say Texas is going to advance to Super Regionals to face um, whoever comes out of the Gainesville Regional, which has been the most wild and crazy thing because Florida went 0-2 and Miami got eliminated. And so South Alabama or South Florida will win the Gainesville Regional and and then head to Austin, Texas, I believe, because I think Texas will win that. Meanwhile, uh, Texas Tech... Uh, so far undefeated in their Lubbock Regional. At the end, the sixth inning just wrapped up. It is currently 7-2 to two as we head to the top of the seventh. Texas Tech leading UCLA 7-2. to two. Um, So we will see what happens there. I feel pretty good about Texas Tech advancing out of their regional as well and awaiting the winner of the Stanford Regional. Uh, Stanford currently 2-0 there uh, and facing off with UC Irvine. This is the top of the fourth. UC Irvine's up 2-1. UC Irvine would have to win two games 
to advance there. So I feel good about Texas Tech and Texas advancing. Oklahoma State pretty much kind of crapped the bed in Tucson, but bigger, more disappointment is TCU getting to host and completely crapping the bed against Dallas Baptist and Oregon State. So only two Big 12 teams are going to move on to Supers. Uh, I feel good about, I feel great about both making it to Omaha, especially Texas. Like, this is a really cute story with South Alabama and South Florida. Congrats to both of you. We'll be seeing Texas and Omaha, in my opinion. Uh, Texas Tech probably going to face Stanford. Stanford's good. It's going to be the 8-9 matchup in Supers. I feel good about Texas Tech advancing there and sending both of those teams uh, to, to Omaha on offense. Yeah, especially bracket, since since Texas Tech was nice. playing that, that you know, Super Regional at home. Like, I think that's going to help them a lot. Um, but oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Like, I, I was shocked that TCU, you know, we, we actually were talking about this before. Relative to what you would expect for, you know, a national seed of that level, I thought TCU had a very, very favorable uh, draw. Yes, Dallas Baptist, I thought, was a little bit stronger of a three-seed in their region than probably would have been warranted, but I thought it was balanced out really well with who they had in the, you know, as as their two-seed in Oregon State. Obviously, that didn't really matter much for TCU because, man, they, you know, they they did had all kinds of problems there. So um, Dallas Baptist, I think, is going to be a, a very worthy um, a, a very worthy team to actually make it to the Super Regional. And honestly, I, I think that they're probably going to make it to the College World Series based off of what they've done in those first few games. But this is absolutely, completely disappointing for TCU. Um, given how good they look through most of the Big 12 season, there is absolutely no excuse for this performance that they've had in the last few weeks. I would say Old Dominion's going to host that Super with whoever comes out of Tour with Regional. Old Dominion's pretty good. Now, can DBU beat Old Dominion? Yes. It's interesting super. Either Old Dominion or, da- or probably Dallas Baptist are going to the College World Series, which is crazy to say out loud. But uh, Tennessee and Notre Dame both advanced, so congrats to both of them. Uh, obviously, by Thursday, we'll know what's going on. We'll, we'll talk more about that then. Andy, do you have any final thoughts before we go here? Nope, I'm good. All right, well, somehow we went over an hour, which is the two of us. That's what happens when we talk way too much about Big 12, Big East and uh, non-conference but you know it's the off season so here we are all right uh do us a favor make sure you follow us on twitter at 1012podcast te and the number 12 the word podcast i uh, make sure you follow us on the gram at 1012pod we will have some stuff there i don't know what this week yet but i'll find out something uh make sure leave us a rating and review especially if you listen on itunes even if you don't listen on itunes but you have an itunes like podcast account and can just like hop in and leave us five stars and a rating we would really appreciate it if there is another app that leaves reviews or ratings do it there too i don't think there is but i would that would be awesome uh give andy a follow that's at andy mitch 12 on twitter we appreciate it yep go shop at home field we'll talk to you guys on thursday Podcast Network.